teenage mothers have been around since the beginning of time, since since Jesus, teenage motherhood has been here. So I think with society, I think one of the biggest things to make sure that we don't accept it so much. Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. In this series, we've been talking to Charlene, a mom and now a grandmother. My name is Dr. Bola Sogadi. I'm the host of this public education podcast. I'm a women's health specialist, a board certified obstetrician gynecologist, and a family physician. So, Charlene, Back to you. You know, even our grandson, I look at him now and I'm like, he's a joy. I'm grateful. You know, no. And I had to tell her this recently because she was having an emotional moment. And she was like, I had him too soon. It's too much. It's too much. Because she is responsible for her child. She has her own apartment. She works a job that can pay for their lifestyle. When she needs help, daddy and I are there. And uh, because she's very independent, so she wants to live on her own. So I can't force her to come live with us so that life can be easier. Yes, it would be easier, but it's not the choice she makes. So there are choices our children will make. There are choices that we will not agree with. There are choices that we will see that would not be the best choices for them. But there comes a time when their choices are not our own. They're their choices. And when they make those choices, yes, they have repercussions and they hurt us as well as them. But they're still their choices. So just like that, we as parents do have choices as well. And just like they make choices and not best choices, we as parents make choices that are not always the best choices either. And I think it's um, we have to be... Like with my daughter, I'll let her know now. I'm like, ooh, those were not some good choices. You know, that's to let her know that we all mess up sometimes. We all are infallible. We all make mistakes. So um, she, me as a parent, I look back during that time. I think it made me stronger as a parent. It made me a lot more compassionate. I can say that. Uh, It made me listen to my daughter more. I can say that. Um, So, and even today, I don't agree with all her choices, (laughs) but they're still her choices, you know? So, and she's grown and matured. She's 21 now. Her son is three. And she made some good choices and she made some not good choices. But within it all, she's a good mom and she fights to make sure she takes care of him. So I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. No, I would not have wanted her to be a teenage mother. If I can go back and poop that, I would, but I can't. But so she's doing the school thing. She's still trying to work that out. You know, so she's working. She's working to support her and her child. So that's where she's at at the moment. Well, and you know, that's what I was going to ask that, you know, how has her experience as a teenage mother 
impacted her education and also her future goals. You know, and I've seen people, you know, redirect. They always wanted to be a lawyer. They ended up still being a lawyer, you know, you know, even though they made the detour. And you said she finished high school. She worked hard. And even with the waddling gate, she got her diploma. She finished <laughs> high school. But what has been yes. the overall impact of this teenage pregnancy on her education currently and her future goals for her life? On her education, it was uh, a stopping of her going to college immediately. Uh, her future, it sort of redirected her with future goals. Um, of, co- of course, currently her focus is working so that she can support a son. Um, her goal is when he gets in um, primary school, gets into elementary school, that she um, she desires to go into the military. She wants to make sure that he's in elementary then. And so military, she also has looked at going to college. Um, that she hasn't spoken as much about because she's like, I don't know specifically what I would go to college for. But with military, she feels like it's a way for her to get stability even more so to herself and her son. And she can also choose a career in that area. So that's where she's talking about military when it goes to um, kindergarten, first grade, actually. And then what would happen, her dad and I would take custody for about a year or so so that she can finish out basic training and everything that she needs to do to get stable. And then he would go back to her. I just appreciate you sharing from your heart, you know, the the pains and and the moments of joy. But can you share any heartwarming or inspiring moments as difficult as this journey started? But can you share any inspiring moments from your journey as a family with your teenage daughter? Yes. You know, I think everything happened after her son was born. After he was born, it was like, no, this is not the way we wanted it to happen, but he is a joy. He's a joy. And I remember when he came home, everybody was like, oh, look at him, he's so cute. So that was a joy. I remember his first birthday. I remember us just, you know, the five of us plus him make six just celebrating his birthday together. I remember his second birthday. Uh, That was a bigger birthday in our backyard with the slide and everything. And just doing that birthday celebration, his third birthday, just a family again. I think seeing his growth and how well she takes care of him, how she loves that little boy and how good of a parent she is. So I think her as a mother is a victory. Her as a mother is the victory. He gives her reason. He gives her reason. Reason to live, reason to be here. So he he makes her stronger. So I like that. I think that's a joy to see that he makes her stronger. Him with all his energy, all his hyperness, all his all over the place. So that's that's a good thing. And then seeing her as she come back to me and her dad and say, thank you. Thank you with a sincere heart. That makes me emotional. Um, 
because she sees how much we do love her. And she sees how much we're willing to do for her and her son. So I think, um, yeah, she's she's grateful. She's grateful. What a powerful story. What a powerful story. This is just powerful. And you're such a, a strong <laughs> Gigi, strong, you know, grandma. That's, you know, I mean, this is powerful. And just watching your tears, you know, I mm-hmm. I know that your family went through something and God is bringing you to the other side of that. You know, I'm I'm. I'm very just grateful that you are even at this point that you can share this and help other people, you know, through your tears, through your pain, through your joy. You know, I'm so, so grateful. You know, let me ask you, if there's one single most important lesson or insight that you've gained from this experience, what is it? Well, can I give two? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. The, the one first thing that came to mind was prayer. Prayer is effective and powerful. Prayer. And then the second thing is that family. You never give up on family. Never give up on family. No matter what you go through, don't give up on your family. Love, I there's um have a co-worker, if you don't mind me sharing this. Uh it's her and her sister. And at the moment they're having strife, you know, they're having fighting amongst each other. And so the co-worker um just wanted to blast her sibling, just blast her and just go off and stuff. And like I shared with her, I said, don't say anything you cannot come back from. Please don't say anything to your sister that you can't come back from because you want there always to be a bridge. You want to always have a bridge where you can reconnect with your family, where you can get back together with your family because family is it. Family is it. When you look around, and your friends change from season to season, you're still with your family. So do whatever you can do to bridge your family. So I think that that's one thing that's important to my family, that no matter what we go through, we we have to be there for each other. Sometimes we may not want to. <laughs> Sometimes we may be dealing in anger. Sometimes we're frustrated. Sometimes we're like, this is it, this is the end, I ain't doing no more. But when it comes to it, in the very end, you got to be there for one another. Because who else do you have? Your family is it. So that's my main thing. Prayer and making sure you recognize that your family. You got to make sure you always keep a bridge. As um, If you're dealing with a situation and your child's a single mother or your child's a teenage mother or you're the grandparents or whatever, don't make it so difficult for that child to come back to you. Always, always tell that child you love them. Verbally, physically hug them because they need a hug. They need a hug because they are in chaos. 
They are in pain and they're in chaos. So they need you. They need the simplest thing, a hug. The words, I love you. You know? So that's what I think. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, how can society, okay, so we move out of the family unit, but when we look at our society, how can society be more supportive of teenage mothers and their families to ensure they have all the opportunities and resources they need? Like you said, you know, things have changed, you know, teenage girls get pregnant now. It's not the best situation, like you said. It does happen. So your daughter was very lucky to have a supportive family. Moving out of mm-hmm. the family unit, how can the society be more supportive of situations like this? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I think with society, it's hard to deal with society as a whole, for me to see the society as a whole, because society as a whole has so much stuff going on and teenage mothers have been around since the beginning of time since (laughs) since Jesus teenage mother here has been here so I think with society I think one of the biggest things to make sure that we don't accept it so much because I think it is so normalized at the moment that people don't recognize that it adds to the economic issues of the world. It adds to the mental issues of the world. It adds to the societal issues of the world. So I think if society deals more on the end of not just the sexual aspect of teenage pregnancy, but the emotional aspect of it, and society speaks on the depression. it's And I know it does, but when it comes to being abstinent, being, you know, engaging in sex, I know society speaks on it, but I don't know how well they speak on it. Speaking not just on, because I know me, my big thing was don't get pregnant, don't have sex. Don't have, but no, there's so many more things there, so many different components of it. So if you speak on the emotional aspect of it, dealing with depression, self-image, you know, dealing with the fact that you're going to deter yourself when it comes to school, when it comes to your future plans, all of these things, making that a part of maybe school some kind of way where they deal with that, not the sex education class, right? Not making it a quote unquote sex education class, but making it a class of self-image or preparing for the future. I don't know what language I would put on it. But dealing more so with the the repercussions of it, not just having a child, but the repercussions of the damage that it does to a young lady when it comes to her mental health, when it comes to even physical health, you know. So that's a big question. That's a very big question. Society. Society, they they deal with stuff, but... I don't know whether I would leave it to society, (laughs) to be honest. I think I would make it a narrow situation. I would make it more of a community. Now, community, you can have community outreaches where you have support groups for young ladies, where you have more 
mentoring things for, because I know that we have a lot of mentoring clubs and different communities for younger girls. But when it comes to our teenage girls, where's the support for them? And I think a lot of times because when it comes to teenage girls, people look for them to be involved in activities at school. They look for them to be involved in, so for everything to come from the school system. But if you have community outreach for teenage girls, and not just teenage girls that are in impoverished situations, because that's one of the things my daughter wasn't in, is not in an impoverished situation. So I do find that it's hard to get help when your income level is not a certain at a certain level. With that, yes, I think society could do a lot better with that. Being able to just reach teenagers and not put a financial aspect on whether or not they can get assistance. They could have young lady community activist thing where they go in, they have people from the community come talk to young ladies about careers, about their image, about dating, what is respectful dating. So I just think community outreach things where they make it easy access for parents to bring their teenage daughters to, you know, 14, let's say 14, 13 to 18 when they are helping to groom and build these young ladies up and that it's not a hard thing to be a part of, that it's not a financial thing where they have to be impoverished to be a part of it. Most definitely we want to take care of our communities that don't have, but sometimes communities that have need help too. Uh, Well, you know, you bring up so many important points And, you know, as we're talking about, you know, community organizations, programs and initiatives that can help teenage moms. And I even look at if we turn to religion, if there's a church, there has to be a critical number of teenagers. It can't just be one or two teenagers. There has to be a critical number. And if a religious group does not have that, maybe they can work with other situations, maybe like a Lions Club or something like that, mm-hmm. that is an initiative started by that religious organization that they see that, listen, we don't have a critical number of teenagers or we don't have enough teenage activities and we do have teenagers. Who can we partner with that we will take them, you know, our teenagers to be a partner of this group. You know what I'm saying? Because I tutor girls in an impoverished area of town. And Mm -hmm. you brought up another issue. How about girls that are not in an impoverished area and still need the same help? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I know that being a mother of three, two girls, I've always wondered about that. Why is it that? Because when I look I can find opportunities for, because I've done it. I'm like, I need my daughters involved in something. I need this, I need that. But then when I would go research, there would be stipulations. And a lot of times it's a monetary stipulation to whether or not my daughters can join these things. And even my youngest daughter, who's now 16, I've looked at 
earlier on, I looked at things for her and the closest thing from middle Georgia, because we're currently in middle Georgia, was a place in Metro Atlanta that met the type of criteria that I was looking for for her. Next episode. This particular organization focused on building young women up to be young women. They talked to them about college. 